And we're live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintram. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, all right, all right. Uh, this episode is brought to you by IAA Mobility Show 2023. It's coming back to Munich. And uh, we're going to be there, Seth, myself, and Micah should be there too. So you can come um, say hi to us and come check out all the cool vehicles that they're going to have there. Uh, apparently, there's going to be a few cool EV unveilings, uh, as, as there usually is. This is basically the biggest European show now, a car show, I should say. It's uh, running from September 5th to the 10th. Uh, in the show notes right now, you can um, click the link and get yourself some tickets. All right, let's jump right into the news, starting with this, uh, this report that came out uh, this week from routers. And when it comes to routers in Tesla coverage, we had big issues over the last few years. They had very bad coverage of Tesla, very like exclusive news that were very doubtful. Uh, however, I should note here, to be fair, the usual suspects, because there are usual suspects in terms of the reporters at routers that, that, that publish these uh, questionable reports, they're not behind this one. So we should approach this with some a little bit more credibility than with other routers report. And obviously, there's some background to it that, uh, that uh, we kind of, ma- it makes sense, huh, Seth? Yeah, and, and it, they use sources that you know, we're familiar with like uh, recurrent mm-hmm. and the SAE. Um, so, you know, legitimate sources. And and like, frankly, as a Tesla community, I think we all kind of know that Tesla's, uh, I don't want to say gaming the system, although we did say gaming the system, but uh, they're very optimistic is, is how we usually put it in their well, We're mile- talking about range here. Right, their mileage that, that the uh, their vehicles get uh, compared to other EVs and not just, you know, there's some other EVs that are a little bit more optimistic than others, and some are very, you know, pessimistic. Like uh, Porsche with their Taycan said they they'd only get 200 miles, but when that was tested, it actually got you know almost 300 miles. So it's just weird. Like it's kind of weird that this this isn't just standardized, and it's frankly the EPA's problem. Like the EPA should have their own test. They shouldn't take any input from. Uh, you know, Tesla or any of the other automakers, they should just say, give me the keys to the car. Let's put it on a track. Let's do a test. And then we'll have a number for you. Um, but this, this report came out and said that, uh, you know, Tesla was going through the, the, the test and they were providing numbers that were optimistic and the EPA would come back with a slightly lower number and Tesla would be like, you know, like, okay, that's fine. Um, there was this one incident. I don't know if we talked about it in this story, but, uh, where the EPA said uh, the Model S could not did not get 400 miles of range, and Elon came back and said, "Well, our logs show that the door was open during the testing, or they they stepped out of the car mm-hmm. and the air conditioning was on, or something." Um, so there's all these like little things, but like frankly, it's the EPA's job to just test the car, and you know the automaker can come back and say something like, "Hey, you know you didn't you didn't do a test right or whatever," but frankly, it should be in their court and and it doesn't sound like it is. So the other automakers use a, you know, kind of a more conservative methodology. They use a 0.7 coefficient of like best case scenario where Tesla uses a 0.8 coefficient. Um, that's, which makes a big difference. It doesn't sound like much, but like that, that can make it. Uh, I, and the goal here is obviously because there's different, types of range there's the the epa range which is the range that you can advertise 
And that's not the same range that you sh show you in your car. It's, it, it's not. So that's a big difference, difference maker here. So it's all about just what you can advertise versus what you can do in the car. And so this part in the, um, in the uh, report here that I thought was a little bit more damning is that they couldn't confirm if Tesla was still doing that or, when they, or if they stopped when they did because they, they only said that they were doing that when they had the Model S and the Roadster, which a long time ago. Yeah, that's just a long time ago. Um, and I was, like, it's almost like never a go-to, like, because you make it sound like when they had both the Roadster and then MLS or... Uh, yeah, that never happened. Yeah, so probably when they, they, they meant they had only produced the Roadster and then the, now they were producing the MLS, so that wasn't an issue in the MLS. Anyway, what they said is that Tesla would show you something that resembled the advertised range at first, but one, the batch, one, the state of charge of the battery pack would go below 50 then it would start showing you a more accurate and lower version of the range. And that I can anecdotally confirm. I've seen that, especially in my Model S. I've seen that happen where uh, like I have a ton of range and I'm just driving and, it's, and then everything's going well. And then boom, I hit 50% and it starts, go, it's, it starts being more accurate. And like I lose the first 50% a lot faster than I lose the last 50%, which makes no sense. Yeah, and I think I remember something like that happening when I had a Model yeah. S way back in the day. Um, and then, so the reality turns out to be, so somebody like me who drives a lot of EVs, I have like very standard routes that I drive. For instance, we go to Vermont. Uh, we have a place about 180 miles away uh, from home. And I drive the Model, Model Y to it. I've driven the Model X. I've driven the Model S to it. Every single Tesla out there, I've driven to it. Um, none of them make it in anywhere near 80 miles, 180 miles of range taken off, but it's up a hill. It's often cold. There's, there's reasons for it, but, uh, Mustang Mach-E, uh, which has less official range than a Tesla model Y, for instance, uh, will get there with way more miles left on it. And that's because it has a huge battery. It's like a 92 kilowatt hour battery versus Tesla's 70 something kilowatt hour battery. Um, but, you know, Ford could probably say using Tesla's metrics that it has, you know, a 350 mile uh, range car, but they don't do it. So, yeah. And it, in reality, good, good on them, I guess. But like, I feel like there should be one standard for everything. Like there's, you know, the EPA for gas mileage is I think it's one standard. Um, so I don't know. I, I just wish I think the EPA needs, just needs to do the job and that's yeah. make everything equal. Um, we should note that Recurrent, uh, who's been a past sponsor of our podcast here, um, they actually have data from cars. So they have mm -hmm. some pretty, really accurate uh, numbers. And it's kind of damning. They they don't see anything above 250 miles of range, even in the summertime, uh, for a Model Y, which is supposed to have 326 miles of range. So that's 70 miles less. Now, we should note, like, Recurrent's data isn't people on trips, necessarily. It's just people driving around. So, like, you're driving around, you're gunning it, you're, like, you know, you, you're heating the car, like, outside the house yeah, for no reason. You're not hypermiling, for sure. Yeah, you're not doing anything like traveling. So, you know, that's not that's not what a typical traveler may or may not get. So, there's that to consider. But it's just, you know, it's the, the mileage is so unrealistic compared to what Tesla's numbers are. So, I think Tesla needs to, to bring back their numbers and and... To be fair, I guess, uh, we did a story recently, you did a story um, that Tesla was dropping its numbers a little bit down to like 310, 
on all of its uh, yeah. vehicles. Um, so uh, I don't know. I think something's happening, but like it, it would just be better if like a third party organization, typically one governmental organization, if it's not the EVA, something else that would just take the car, do a test on it, come back and say, this is the mileage. And the same test would apply to all cars and there would be no kind of, you know, play there. Yeah, that would be ideal, no doubt. Because we've been saying it for a long time. Range anxiety is not about how long of a range you get. It's about how accurate the range prediction is so that you, if you know where you're going, you know you can get there or you can get there and you need to stop and charge at one point. As simple as that. It's not yep. complicated at all. And uh, I, so there was a lot of things in the report and you, you, you can go read uh, Seth's summary. It's, 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 it's pretty detailed. But... Um, it seems like well, I was reading like the media coverage around the routers report. And, and it seems like the main thing that people were sticking on is the team in Nevada that was di diverting people complaining about the range. Well, did you get that? Like, what are, yeah. yeah. I, we put that at, like, so at the very end of my story, mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, this thing, like the service department can't do anything about the range. So mm -hmm. they should be diverting it. Yeah. Um, you know, why are they diverting it? Maybe that's not exactly right. But I, I feel like that was making something out of nothing. Like, yeah, I guess it's Rodder's description of it. It make it sound like you know, have you you've ever seen the, the movie a boiler boiler room, nineties mm -hmm. movies about uh, the, the the like the Wolf of Wall Street kind, like a Wolf of Wall Wolf of Wall Street was kind of a remake of the Boiler Room, but with the story of uh, what's this uh, the dumbass name, the Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, like the yeah, yeah. Belford Belford is his name. Uh, but this this whole idea of like uh, they just you you want to get the sucker you want to like you want to sell the share of the sucker they describe it like that in routers where like oh the the shout when they get one of them to to not get a service appointment over right. the range and things like that so I guess that is kind of uh, in bad taste if that's really what's happening in in, the, in those cases I guess that brought a lot of people's attention but hopefully it but. <laughs> I don't think it's going to do much, honestly. I don't think Tesla cares now. Nope. I, yeah. I mean, I I think they need to kind of tone down their range numbers a little bit just to get them more mm -hmm. realistic. But, I mean, yeah. they don't need great range because they have a great supercharger network. But That too. Yeah, so. that is, the, the charging is, is a big part of this. Uh. All right, moving on. We have some actual data now backing... Um, whether a Musk, whether or not Musk is uh, latest antiques, let's call them that, are negatively affected Tesla. So Bloomberg posted this uh, quite a extensive survey of 5,000 Model 3 owners. And uh, they questioned them about a lot of things, but the first part of the survey focused primarily on Elon and, and this, this impact on, uh, uh, on the brand. And um, one of the questions was, uh, well, the, the, and out of those 5,000, so it's a, it's a big sample of, uh, of owners. There's, out of those 5,000, they identify some of them. They didn't name how many uh, that are, have sold their Model 3 or plan on selling it and for replacing it for another brand. So they're not going, they're not upgrading to another Tesla. And they asked them the reason, the top reason why they are doing that and the number one, surprisingly, was disapproval of Elon Musk. 
And at the same time, like, so the, the second one was concerned about quality and service, which I, I think normally that's probably the number one reason from, for any brand that people just go away. Right. Like, and, and it's not necessarily a, a, a bad look on the brand itself. Like we're talking about the people that are living away. Like if, the, if 99% of the people are, that keep their car are happy with the quality of service, then it's not necessarily bad. But for the, as the reason for someone that is leaving, that's normally the top one. But the third one is unhappy with Tesla's brand perception. So that's 17%. So you could basically add that to the disapproval of Elon Musk, which is at 21%. And you end up at almost half of the people quitting for perception reason, like Musk and, and, and Tesla as a whole. So that's interesting. But to the point that I just mentioned, what we need to understand here is that that is a small percentage of people because in another question, the survey, they ask um, people if they will consider Tesla for their next car. And 87% of all three owners said yes. So of that sem- of those, the, the, the 20% of the people that disapproval and must think that's 20% of 13% of the entire um, people surveyed here. So it's one out of five people that are leaving the brand, which is in itself just basically one out of 10 people that are buying the car that are disapproval of the Musk. So I, so the bright side for Elon is that it's not a major impact on the Tesla community itself, at least. Now, of course, you could add to that the people that, nev- that didn't have a Tesla and were a potential buyer of Tesla. That number could be different and that could have a bigger impact. But on, on the bad side for, for, for Musk and for Tesla, now there's clear evidence that he has uh, a negative impact on the brand with, with his uh, less antiques. Uh, I, I don't know how to call it. Like I, I, the, the way, I, think, I think the main one is him expressing his political views, which in itself shouldn't be bad. Like you know, People are allowed to express their, their, their political view, but there is among leaders of large company that are consumer facing there is this unwritten rule that you should shut the hell up about that stuff because it's divisive and you don't want to device your consumer base it's just like simple marketing simple brand perception so elon has clearly made it he's made it clear he doesn't care he doesn't care about that doesn't care at all uh but Maybe this kind of data should the board could this this kind of uh, weapon that uh, maybe if if he has some people around him left that are not yes men which we discussed that before but we have serious doubts about that um, but if he does these people could try to approach him with that kind of data and show him like yeah like I know you're having fun on Twitter and all that but is that more important than Tesla's mission and if the answer to that is no then maybe don't do that. And, and like, we, we all have our political views or social views and everything. And, like, you, you, you don't need to share that with people <laughs> all the time like he does. It's, it's strange. Uh, it's, um, what's the word? Um, not zealous, but. Zealous? Yeah, like, you, you, it, it's, it's starting to become in that realm. Right. Like, I don't think Enon wants to be a political pundit. <laughs> And he's going in that direction. 
we have a, a quick update on the supercharger v4 so uh that's a we, we've been just like Trabbing information as it's trickled down from the V4 because Tesla has never officially announced it. They, they officially announced a V3 when, when, it, when it came out. They had a, a press release that came out and all that and a video that went into the details. V4, they are actually installed some stations in Europe and they still haven't officially announced it. They brought, oh, we, we talked a few weeks ago, they brought um, at the Good... Um, good Goodwood. Good, Goodwood, that's right. The Goodwood show, they, they brought one, but it wasn't even a complete one. They didn't have a, we, we, we could see that they, it was, they had a place for a screen for it. But now in the new image release for this uh, um, construction plan for this station in, uh, in the UK, you can, you can actually see the, the screen that it's, that's there. So now you see it. But as part of this construction plan too, we actually have the official power output, uh, which is listed at 350 kilowatts, so 100 kilowatt bump over the version three um, but that could be somewhat limited for for this because we also saw the electrical ratings of one of the station that was deployed and it was rated at 1000 volt 615 amps which would theoretically allow an output of up to 600 kilowatts um, so this might be limited for, for for this station in particular or there's another limitation we don't know anyway there's not there's, is there anything right now that goes over 350 on the car sides? I think there's nothing, right? Not really, not officially. I mean, yeah. uh, some like uh, GMC Hummers are seeing like 360, 370 kilowatts on oh, the, that's uh, right. Electrify yeah. Americas, but nothing official. Yeah, and even even that, that's probably for a few seconds, and then right, you're back up to 350, and then it goes down pretty fast. All right, this is an interesting thing uh, here. Uh, the, the numbers are coming out for the first half of the year in California. And for the first time uh, in Q2, Tesla as a brand with only four vehicles available has outsold Toyota in California. Toyota has been the leading brand in, in, in California for a long time. You know, the Prius, uh, people think about California, Toyota, and then the Prius and how it was popular there. But Honestly, it was the, the Camry, the Corolla, and uh, more recently, the RAV4 has been the, the big leader in sales in California. But now Tesla has taken over with some, a massive increase. And a lot of people thought that um, Tesla might have already like saturated the market for its vehicles in California over the years because it's, it's, for a long time, it was its own market, not anymore, uh, even though it's still obviously Fremont factories there and all that. The... Um, the people thought that there would be a limit to how many cars that someone could deliver there. And last year with the big performance that they had in 2022, in uh, the first half of the year, they had 90,000 vehicle. Um, but California is a big market. There's a lot of people there. It's as big as, uh, I don't know if the economy is bigger in Canada. I think it might be bigger in Canada. Yep. Uh, so More a populous, lot of people. Yeah. Say so that again? More populous than Canada. Yeah, I mean, especially if you had the illegals, it's, it's probably twice as big as Canada. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but officially as big as Canada and bigger than yeah. like Australia and same size as some European places. Yeah, I mean, Canada is a, like 35 million, I think. Maybe less than that. So it's not that big. It's big, just the, the population. Um, but yeah, this quarter, uh, last quarter, 
Tesla sold 69,000 vehicles in California to Toyota 67,000. And, um, and the percentage increase are interesting too. So Tesla was up 62% during the quarter and Toyota was down 8.3%. So because of the up on Tesla and the down on the Toyota side, they were able to, uh, to, to, beat Tesla, to beat Toyota this quarter. They haven't beaten them for the year to date just yet. Uh, Tesla is sitting as 123,000 units to Toyota's 133,000 units, but they're only 10,000 units away. So they could potentially outsell Toyota in California for the whole year. And obviously what's interesting about it is that one of the main reasons Tesla is selling so well in California are the incentives, obviously, which is, are stronger there. But as a whole, California is uh, is a, a preview of what's going to happen in the whole rest of the U.S. as sure. as the incentive because become less relevant. And also there are incentives in the rest of the U.S. too. We've been talking about the federal tax rate all year. But the even if you remove all the credit, as the cost of electric vehicles come down and the charging network is being deployed and soon enough, like 99% of the people that buy vehicles will make no sense for them to not buy an electric vehicle. And that's what we're seeing in California because that boost from Tesla has just brought up the um, BEV market share to 21.1% up from 16% last year. So that's a 5% uh, increase in a year. That's huge. Um, well, in the first half of a year, but the difference is a year. And it's interesting to look at uh, HEVs and PHEV too, because uh, they are flat. And look at if you look at the chart for BEV, it's uh, going straight up. So... I think it's clear that people are seeing are, are seeing the the the, H, the hybrids as uh, more of a traditional technology, and the battery electric vehicle is the future. And people want they want the thing that's going to be there for a while, not that transitional, you know, dipping your toe in electric propulsion type of uh, category. Yeah, I would also mention that uh, uh, Rivian is is doing kind of nicely. Uh, they're at twenty two. 25 uh for the quarter which is up a lot from 870 in the first quarter but like that's starting to get close to one of their competitors land rover which is at 2900 it's kind of close to volvo which is at 3500 uh so if if uh rivian continues to double year over year they're gonna also be kind of uh catching up to their their competitors yeah i don't know if they're gonna be able to keep doubling with just the R1S uh, and That's R1T, uh, the, 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 the next generation vehicle is going to be important. But, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you, if you look, uh, up 155%, obviously last year in Q2, it wasn't, they, they didn't have the production capacity that they had now. But uh, yeah, in the comparison to Land Rover probably is a, the, the best one. It's very, very much higher handle. I don't know if, uh, uh, I don't have the, the other numbers here. All right, Tesla is bringing its uh, tribal land loophole. And I, w- I wasn't sure about the word tribal, but apparently that like the, the Moigan Sun, the logo land, that's, that's what they call it. So I was calling it na- native land, but also that doesn't make that much sense either. But tribal land is apparently the correct word here. So Tesla has been using this loophole 
in New Mexico for a few years where direct sales law ban uh, direct sales to from manufacturer to consumers of vehicles. And um, because well, we've discussed this before, but it's because of outdated laws that try to protect, protect the franchise dealership against the automakers, uh, which makes no sense to apply those laws to automakers that never had franchise dealership. But some franchise dealership associations specifically um, and dealerships bonding together put pressure on the legislation to apply those laws to Tesla, Rivian and Lucid and all the other automakers that are trying to go direct to consumers and they feel like they have the right to do so because they never give anyone a franchise. So they're not competing against people that they, that invested into their brand. And uh, New York was the latest one a few months ago. Um, Tesla has stores in New York and service centers in New York, but they are limited on the number of them because they, instead of getting the law changed, they had an exception built into it. Um, but now, so they're, they can expand more unless they do it on um, tribal land, which they did earlier this year. And Connecticut has been probably one of the toughest not to break yet. The uh, older Tesla fans have been following this story for a while will remember Tesla's continuous effort at the legislative level to change things. And every time they were shut down by the local politicians, backed by the, um, the local association, I'm going to name them because uh, they are a very hateful bunch, Connecticut Automotive Retailer Association, uh, this this SARA, C-A-R-A, CARA, whatever. Uh, if you remember them, they went above and beyond to their fight against Teslas and direct sales. They had back in the day, they had a website that would trash Tesla. They built an entire website that was like stop Tesla, and it was just like a bunch of like they, they had Tesla crash on there and everything. It was just a, a hit job of a website. And then when Tesla to make ways into Connecticut, what they decided to do, they decided to launch this concept back then that they had of a, a Tesla gallery, which was not a store, not a service center, so it doesn't uh, infringe on the direct sales laws. And they had cars there, and all they would do is they would call it educate the public on it. So they would talk to the public about the cars, all the features, which is not illegal to do. They would just not discuss pricing or buying or delivery and all that, they would have to go on the website after that and do that themselves and then order the car and take delivery in another state. That's, that's what's been happening in Connecticut for years. But Cara, whatever, the, the, the Karen of, a, of automotive <laughs> retailer association, uh, they, they went as far as sending, uh, what do they call it? Secret buyers, is that the term? Yeah, secret shoppers. So the idea of secret shoppers is that they, they are shopping, they act as shopper, but that's not their true in intention. In that case, their intention was to make the Tesla staff talk about pricing so that they could shut them down after, which they did. <laughs> Insane. Uh, so now Tesla is bringing the tribal land loophole to, to Connecticut, and uh, they did it through a deal with the uh, Mohegan Sun, so actually, I, even though I've never been in Connecticut in my life, I was familiar with the Mohegan Sun because it's the home of Bellator MMA. Or, well, maybe not the home, but one of the main places where they do uh, MMA or they do their event. Um, so it's it's kind of a middle of nowhere a little bit. Uh, but it's, well, it's Connecticut, nice. Yeah, huh? it's it's not in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Connecticut's a fairly densely small, populated. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, so but, you can get there probably from anywhere in Connecticut within an hour, I guess. It's 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 yeah. like in the east side of Connecticut. But right. it's not, like there's no big town or city next to it. Right. There's the Moegan Sun, though, obviously, which is an attraction into itself. So I guess if you want to take delivery of your Tesla in Connecticut, you can make it like a trip out of it and you, you go to the Moegan Sun, you go gambling a little, a little go see a show go see a Bellator event and then you pick up your Tesla and you drive home. Sounds like a fun weekend. Yeah. I'm sure they have services to Moegenson to like drive people in. Like they have buses like to, 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 yep. to, come, to come there and everything. Most they do have casinos that those. are, yeah, those casinos are, are kind of uh, not in very popular area. They, they do that. So you can probably get, grab one of those for cheap and drive back with your Tesla. So yeah, they have a deal with them that they're going to build um, a showroom within the, so the Morgan Sun is it's like a giant complex that they have there with an arena and a, and a casino, a hotel, tons of restaurants and all that. So, and shops. So one of the shops is going to be a Tesla shop and they're talking about test drive, about delivery. And they are not talking about service center, which that, that is a, a somewhat of a concern because like part of it is the goal is to have service in Connecticut. Now there are thousands of Tesla owners in Connecticut that don't have service in the States, which is insane. Uh, they are not saying that it's going to be a service center just yet, but they did mention a deal between Tesla and the local tribe to uh, educate, to, to train people to be technicians. So I would assume that the goal is eventually that. And they can do whatever they want on that tribal land so they can build a service center. I just don't know because of the distance of and everything if it makes sense to have it there. Because uh, it's not like Tesla can have a fleet of mobile technicians there because as soon as the mobile technician leave the tribal land, they are technically uh, criminals. I don't know about criminals, but it's illegal what they're doing. Hmm. That's kind of nuts, right? <laughs> it well, there's a lot of layers and nuts on there. First of all, yeah. like it shouldn't be illegal to sell cars, uh, especially electric cars. Uh, it but and you know obviously we shouldn't have taken all that land from the native people here. That, so <laughs> you just got like layers and layers and layers of <laughs> bad yeah. stuff. It goes way back. Yeah, and the fact that uh, the white people were nice enough to give some backup to, to them yeah. now enables Tesla to get around this stupid law. It's the entire, you're right, the entire thing is screwed up pretty bad. Right. Oh, that's funny. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I love how reparations funny. take the form of like, you can sell cigarettes and for <laughs> tax free and have a casino, and yeah. we'll call it even. I mean, Moegan Sunday looks like they uh, they ran with it though. Like it's not yeah, they, they did a small well. reservation casino they have there. It's like yeah, but unfortunately, uh, it's like a few. You know, obviously it goes to uh, Native Americans, but a few Native Americans are doing quite well, mm-hmm. and then like ninety eight percent of them are you know quite poor. So it's, it's... yeah. All right, uh, moving on, we're going to talk about this weird strange cyber truck with a Ford F-150 wrap on it. So it was first spotted last weekend. Uh, a picture leaked from a Tesla shop with you, this, this cyber truck that you could see with this wrap job that makes it, I say make it look like, they try to make it look like a F-150, like, well, not necessarily Lightning, but a Ford pickup truck, basically. Uh, it was spotted again uh, yesterday or the day before that in Livermore, California, and it was on the back of another truck being transported around 
and the, we you could see you could see the truck a lot better on those pictures and uh we we are kind of uh baffled by it we don't we don't know what the goal is i mean I, I guess the goal is this what we're doing right now is to get to talk about it i guess it's either that or maybe tesla is kind of is filming some content with it maybe for like some promotional videos yeah i feel like we're gonna find out at some point what the hell they're doing yeah, I feel I feel like Elon would have commented on it already if it was right. just to get get it to talk about and everything. I think there might be more to it. There might Tesla might be some filming some content, maybe like a maybe they do a tug of war again with the Cybertruck and an F one fifty, and then once the Cybertruck wins, like the only thing that can beat a Cybertruck is a Cybertruck F one fifty and something like that. I don't that's know. Good, that's good media right there. Yeah, I'm I'm just balling. Like yeah, you know, uh, I actually talked to a Ford uh, person. And because uh, they were like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea. What you Do you know? And I was like, you should have uh, Farley tweet out that uh, <clears throat> at that, you know, like imitation is the sincerest form of flattery or you know something <laughs> like that. And they're like, yeah, we already pitched that. It's not going to happen. Like we're not we're not engaging. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're aware of it and they're they're weirded out by it just as much as we are. <laughs> Maybe there's the unveiling of the Cybertruck and like, you know, there was some concern that Elon mentioned about Tesla uh, having a Cybertruck and it not being popular because of his radically different design from other pickup trucks. So maybe Elon goes as a joke. He goes, uh, look, I mean, if you want it to look like a normal pickup truck, just put this wrap on it and voila. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Again, just footballing. But this yeah. is a weird thing that it's around. Uh, so it's the latest Cybertruck that we've seen with a wrap on it. We've seen the other two with the different camouflage on, but more than two, but two different camouflage one. And the speculation around it is either those are release candidates with the final design that Tesla wants to hide the design as best as they, as they could. Or this is uh, basically just Tesla testing out wraps on uh, the cyber trucks because wraps are going to be the only way that you can change the color of the truck and make it look different than the stainless steel finish that literally every cyber truck out there is going to run. And they plan to make over 200,000 of them a year. So you're going to (laughs) see, and most of them are going to be for the US and Canadian market. So you're going to see a lot of those around. All right, um, before moving on, a quick word about IAA Mobility Show out of Munich, the future of mobility. Yeah, so uh, we are again going to uh, Munich for the IAA Mobility Show. We were there two years ago. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, there's a ton of uh, new, uh, there, it's not just cars. Like I think in the past, it used to be called the Frankfurt Auto Show. Obviously, it was in Frankfurt. They moved it to Munich. Uh, they got a lot of um, protesters and stuff. So uh, they were like, okay, let's let's try to make this a little bit more uh, walkable, city-friendly, green-friendly, all the other stuff. So they invited us, and uh, now it's now it's better. But um, it's, it's just a great show because they have all the cars and, and electric vehicles that you hope to see. But then they also have bikes, uh, Specialized as one of the bigger sponsors. They have like whole just like monster uh, uh, rooms of uh, hangers. Show, yeah, the hangers of the show floor that are dedicated to mobility, like scooters and bikes and electric bikes and all the other stuff. So, and what's even cooler is they have this testing area where you can just grab a bike or a, a weird, like they have a bunch of velomobiles and like little cars and all kinds of other stuff to test. Mm-hmm. 
And then you can also test, like you go there, say you're thinking about getting an EV. There's like 20 different EVs you can test. Um, I think we got our first look at the uh, Ionic 5 there, maybe. Um, and I know we got a mm-hmm. crazy ride in the uh, Mercedes uh, EQS uh, where we they took us on the Autobahn. We, we went like, I don't know, fast as uh, we, we could go. We have some videos of it. I don't remember yeah. how fast we went, though. And then uh, we got to try the uh, level three uh, autonomy from Mercedes. So just like tons of fun stuff to do there. Uh, if you're in the area or thinking of, if you have some free time in early September, uh, it's worth going. And then Oktoberfest is directly after that. So maybe extend your stay a little bit, have some beer, enjoy yourself. But uh, we'll be there. Grab some tickets. Show uh, The links are in the show notes. And uh, hope to see you there. Yes, sir. All right, we're going to have a few more news to discuss before we jump into the comment section. If you guys uh, want us to discuss something else about the EV community that we didn't touch today, you can put it in the comment section right now. Or if you have any questions for us, we're going to have some time to answer them. So you can put them in the comment section right now. Also, if you do enjoy the show, please give us a, a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe, and all that good stuff. It takes a second to do, and it helps the show more than you think. If you're listening on your podcast app right now, uh, like on the Apple Podcast, you can give us a five-star review that takes a second to do. It's free, and it helps the show a ton. I'm serious. Uh, so if you do enjoy the show, you can do that. It's helpful. Uh, moving on, uh, GM confirmed officially. They've been teasing it for a few months now, but they officially confirmed that they are bringing back the Chevy Bolt on the LCM platform. So that even though the Chevy Bolt is technically going away at the end of the year with the current version, which is basically the same as it was since 2016, other than a few small changes. Um, n- n- they announced earlier this year that they're going to kill it without saying that there's going to be something else. There was some pushback on that, including from people in this po- on this podcast. And uh, now they confirm it is coming back on the Altium platform. So Baltium, that, that's, that's, that's you, huh, Seth? Is that, is that yeah, what they're that's... calling it? That's what I'm calling it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're 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 the local Chevy expert here. Did, did, did they really reveal anything about it, or did you just confirm it's coming? Right. They released almost nothing about mm. it except for this picture right here, with the uh, peeling off the, the no. uh, sticker. Um, I imagine it's going to be called something else, like Bolt U or something. I don't know. Mm. We can't really tell what that next thing is going to be. Um, maybe they dropped the EV now. Do you do you need EV anymore for for a car? Like it's all cars are going to be electric. So and, and it's, there's no Bolt not electric too. Right. So and, and the, I guess the Bolt at first they put the EV to differentiate from the Volt because people was like Bolt Volt. What did you say Bolt or Volt? Right. Right. Uh, which is dumb because no one was using the EV to talk about the Bolt too. So and now the Volt is gone. So I guess you just call it the Volt. Yeah. Uh, but there is a letter after the beat, the bolt there. So I don't know what what that's gonna be. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I didn't, I didn't catch that yeah. teaser. Oh, okay. Um, but so I did a post on five things that it needs. Obviously, the easiest thing is the uh, the fast NAX charging. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's a no brainer. Sounds like it's confirmed already. Yeah, I mean it's it's mm-hmm. uh, gonna be Altium. So mm-hmm. Altiums charge quite quite fast and. Uh, uh, GM said they're going to go to the Nax Charger uh, for all vehicles uh, 2015 or whatever, or sorry, 2025. So uh, it's kind of a done deal. Uh, but 
it needs to get that. And then there's some other stuff like, you know, it could be all wheel drive as an option for people uh, with snow um, or it could be rear wheel drive, make it more of a hot hatch. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, I think marketing wise, uh, GM needs to drop the idea that this is is some way a SUV or CUV. It's a hatchback. Which is going to be easier to do once they have the Blazer and right. the and they, Equinox and, and, and all that in their lineup. Yeah. yeah. So they have two other SUVs in the space. They don't need a third, so drop the BS. Um, also, I think maybe this decision came about. I don't know if this for sure, but it seems kind of interesting that the Volvo EX30 came out with almost mm-hmm. the exact same specs as the Bolt, and people flipped their lid for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, including myself, I thought that was going to be a really good car. Um, and it, you know, it's got to be like the engineers at Chevy had to be like, Hey, we have this car already. We've had it for like six years. We just haven't done any, you know, good marketing for it. So why don't we, you know, continue to build this car and compete against this thing that seems like everybody loves. Um, and you know, it's the Volvo brand, which is probably a little bit different and, but it's going to be made in China, which will be interesting. Um, the bolt will be, you know, obviously made in the, or likely made in the U.S. Maybe, uh, maybe in Mexico. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and then Canada. why not Canada? Yeah, Canada, of course. And then yeah. uh, things like CarPlay, Android Auto. Obviously, GM made the what some would say boneheaded decision to take CarPlay and Android Auto out of the their EVs starting next year. Um, I think they're going to have to backpedal on that. It just seems like, like even if you don't believe. Uh, that they need to do that, or if you if you believe that they don't need to do that, um, a lot of people won't buy a car that doesn't have CarPlay, Android Auto, that isn't a Tesla or Rivian. So why not just put it in there? And if your software is so good, GM, like people will use it, like over CarPlay and Android Auto. Yeah. So just give them the choice. And yeah, I haven't think- been in a, in a GM car in a in a moment now, so I don't know. I, don't, I have a clear idea of their user interface, but from what I remember, it's just stuck in the '90s, basically. So, yeah, they- uh, you have unless like they are they say that because they have something coming out that's insane. But are you going to put all your chips on that? <laughs> and no, basically, like they what are. they're saying they're saying, "Hey, we're going to beat Google and Apple at software." You're, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, I would say even Tesla and Rivian haven't beat Google and Apple in their software. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do more with a, a good CarPlay or Android Auto wireless uh, system than you can often with with those things. And then I think there was one last thing, but I can't remember what it was. If you scroll down a little bit, <laughs> come on, I'm give you three guess. <laughs> it's I'm a just, good one. It's your best one. It's your best one. It's the one. It's the one that's gonna that would have the big. Is the one less likely to happen. Uh-huh. But the one that would have the biggest impact. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, the dealers. Oh, and I was going to add something to that. That's so crazy. Um, so, yeah. The yeah dealers... By the way, people said, wrote this article like two, a day and a half ago. Dude, dude I got a lot going on, man. I'm going, to, going to Japan soon. A lot of stuff. Um, yeah, but the dealers, like one of the pain points is obviously that. I think Ford's doing a good job uh, with, with dealers. Um, so take some notes from Ford, uh, DC fast chargers, make EVs, uh, a separate side of the business. And then, um, you know, pricing like, to the pr- pricing structure that like Ford is trying yeah. to do that, try to force pricing on the, exactly. on the dealers, but that's so hard to do. Like. Right. Like, how do you do it? I don't know. Figure it yeah. out. 
Like there's got to be a way. Um, mm-hmm. And and by the way, you're you're also proving like the dealers are proving why they shouldn't exist because yeah. <laughs> you know they're just adding a layer of gouge to your your pricing. So but, I think but the, at the same think, time, they, they, we see they, they shouldn't exist. Like they, they, they made themselves into something that shouldn't exist. But like the, we have to remember too, the reason they exist is because automakers needed them and they needed, they couldn't support with service and, and sales and, de- and deliveries this giant expansion that they, they thought it wasn't possible really like what Tesla did and expand like that with, and you could argue that it's not perfect where Tesla too, like they need a lot more and, and their deliveries are growing a lot faster than the norm number of, uh, of, uh, station of, uh, service centers and, and shops. But the, the, they are the one that invested into building their, their service network for them. Uh, it's just that, uh, since then, because probably because of those direct sales, law, they, they sort of sat on their, on that, original investment and like all right we we have you now automakers because you needed us we we were there when you needed us and uh now we reap the rewards and take advantage of uh consumers in the, in the meantime yeah i don't i don't uh i don't know the the quick answer to that but they they really could do a lot better um and i will say like uh so i've been to a chevy dealer three times for bolts one was th- uh, six years ago with my original Chevy Bolt. That was pretty bad. Um, I went to over the phone. I dealt with a dealer to to get my mom a Bolt. That was like probably the worst one. And then mm-hmm. uh, locally here in New York, where they're selling a lot of Bolts, I had a pretty good experience. So, oh, yeah, they're not all bad. This is yeah, they're sure. not all bad. Yeah, but they're not they're not consistent at all. So you can have a right. great experience in one place and not get a terrible one there. So a quick one here uh, on the tease, a new electric sports car uh, coming later this year. So we have a teaser image here, but we don't have a lot of details on it. It was confirmed to uh, car in, in, in uh, Britain, uh, but apparently it is coming to the North American market under uh, the Acura brand. So maybe you're going to get some kind of uh, Acura electric supercar coming, which would be surprising. Like an Honda. NSX, yeah. NSX or something. Yeah, something like that. That would be uh, that would be quite something. Surprising a bit from a Honda, which has been kind of a lagger in the in in the electric space, like uh, most of their Japanese automaker peers. But uh, switching from whatever small EV portfolio they have now to kind of a ion supercar would be interesting, or maybe just a smaller sports car, less expensive. No. This interesting. Volkswagen took a stake in Xpeng in China, and they plan to develop two electric vehicles uh, with them. So, um, Xpeng has, has been known uh, for. Uh, at first, they were known as the Tesla copycat because they literally copied everything Tesla, including their website and their software, and hired the autopilot. Tesla is in a, a lawsuit with uh, uh, an engineer that Xpeng hired that Tesla claims stole the. Autopilot source code. Um, and then the founder of Xpeng even confirmed that uh, he, he based a lot of the company on Tesla and the fact that Tesla opened their patents and everything. So uh, it's interesting that Volkswagen wants to get involved with them. Uh, not not that it's because they're, they're bad or anything like that, but because 
uh, Volkswagen has been the one providing the technology, the like the the Ford deal that they have in Europe, like where they they build the MEB for Ford, and now it sounds like it's going to be the other way around here uh, in China with Xpeng as being the base. However, other than somehow Tesla, which I don't know we barely know how they did it, um, we have to partner with a local company in China to do it. So it's not that surprising but in this case here it, it, did they mention an actual joint venture or because i they, they, they hundreds of, they're investing hundreds of million dollars in the company itself taking like a five percent stake in it i imagine uh they say they're going to supplement their mab platform in china with new new xpeng partner yeah i so imagine it sounds like xpeng would produce vehicles under the volkswagen brand or or right. something new yeah there's no yeah, the, the cooperation is going to be between Volkswagen and its existing joint venture, which is with FAW. Yeah, and there was some talk that Volkswagen was losing some market share in China, so maybe this will yeah boost it a little bit. I mean, consolidation in the auto industry is nothing new; like it happened a lot before EVs. But uh, it's interesting in when when the, the those deals are literally about EVs, like in the case of Xpeng. An electric Mazda Miata. Finally. When I say that, do I get some people excited? I'm pretty sure I do, but calm yourself a little bit here because we're talking about an electrified Mazda Miata. So what kind of automakers in 2023 use the term electrified again, which means nothing. Like it could mean a hybrid, could mean a plug-in hybrid, could be battery electric vehicles, we don't know. So Mazda confirmed that the next generation of the Miata MX-5, which is, I think MX-5 is what they call it in Europe, I think, maybe. I don't know. Um, Will come in 2026 and will be electrified. Now, the only thing that's getting us a little hopeful, because Mazda has been nothing in terms of electric, but, I mean, they have the compliance car that they've been selling, but that's about it, is that... 2026, would you be planning to launch a non, like an electrified non-battery electric vehicle in 2026? No. Yeah. So, so it idea. is a little bit worry, worrying that they use that term again. But at the same time, it's like if you're launching a new generation Miata in 2026, it has to be electric, isn't it? I mean, from my standpoint, yeah. Obviously, they're they're on a different... Uh, time scale over there in Japan, but um, you know, maybe maybe by saying electrified, you you cover a couple of bases. Maybe they'll have an EV version, a hybrid. I don't know. I don't know. I when they say electrified, it usually means like they're going to do something really stupid. Uh, like yeah, <laughs> there's that one uh, vehicle that uh, doesn't have batteries but has an electric motor, and the gas just runs a generator. Yeah, uh, that powers like that. I think that's a Nissan or something, but like. When I hear electrified, I think of cockamamie stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't know. E power, I think it was called Nissan E power. Right. Anyway, it's coming. Hopefully, because I mean, twenty they still have time technically because there's nothing else in the all electric market right now that is uh, a two door sports car. 
that is fully electric and it's not it's not a supercar like it's not a hundred plus thousand dollar vehicle because then the miata that's what people like about it it's it starts uh under thirty thousand dollars yeah does it still I mean, start under thirty thousand dollars now in this day and age though where like the average new car sales know. price is like forty eight thousand dollars i don't know uh but there is the the Bini cooper i guess the two-door but that's yeah but not. it's not a real sports car they, they they would like to think that they're a sports Yeah. Car. Like, <laughs> All right. Like, Miata, like the Miata, like you say, Miata, you know, Miata, and then, uh, like, uh, what's the, the BMW that they have, too? Like the, 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 the Z1 or whatever. Yeah. Z4, I think. And then there's, like, some smart cars mm-hmm. out there. But yeah, there should be there should be more. And, obviously, Tesla uh, has their Roadster, but... But that's going to be a $250,000 car. Right. So. Uh, all right, so Ford had a uh, earnings call uh, this week, and I think today actually. And what are your thoughts on comments from Ford that EV adoption is slower than expected? I would say probably maybe slower than expected for Ford, not yeah. for everybody else. And also within the current macroeconomic context too, that that affects all car sales, including electric ones. Uh, so, so I don't think, I don't think that's. Um, I think I think it's a good excuse right now for an automaker like Ford, which is having some difficulty transitioning. Um, they are using that as excuse, and 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 Farley was kind of open about it. It was like this is kind of good for us that it's slow because we're losing money on those, on those cars. So, right. like it was like if this can be slower until like the next generation stuff is coming where we can make some money on them, uh, we're fine with it. So. Yeah, they're they're gonna lose like I think two point five, even more on billion on the on their electric division this year. Yeah, it's which is less than what uh, Rivian is gonna lose this year. True. So, so in perspective, that's interesting. All right, uh, AI says a couple of anecdotal evidence. I know someone who's who votes Democratic and is very concerned about climate change, but yet on. Unwilling to spend their money to buy an electric car, as it is deemed too expensive. Well, I guess well, that's normal. That's normal. Yeah. Like, I mean, unless they are buying, you know, like they say that, and then they buy a uh, just as brand expected, new. a forty, fifty thousand dollar car from another brand, and that's guys are like, if you have, but but so to put it in perspective here, I always ask them, do, are you someone who buy a new car? Are you are you in that bracket or type of person that buys new cars? If you're in that bracket, yes, you're most likely going to want to go electric. But if you're not, if you're buying a, a used car, which is most people, then yes, it's the, your, your choice are extremely limited if you want to go electric. So it makes sense for them to have this kind of reaction. Yeah, right. so they continue. Also driving around neighborhood, somebody has a climate action now sign, but notice they just bought a new ICE car. Okay, well, so that's... Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're in the place maybe where you get your electricity from fossil fuel, it's like it's not as bad. Like, you, but at the same time, if they have a house or something, they might as well invest in solar. It's financially viable now. All right, uh, Rene Poulet, Pouliot, Rene Pouliot, Pouliot says, "Do you see Tesla selling?" an OS operating system for EVs. The reason I say that is that Jim Farley explained how it was impossible for them because each supplier has its own software control. Um, I don't see that specifically, particularly because uh, Ford hired away one of Tesla's main uh, tech people 
uh, not too long ago in uh, uh, field. What's his well, name? well, Doug I, I think I think he's he's like he, he mentioned Farley as an example here, but I think he, he's talking about the broader market as a whole. Like, to, oh, just the same as. I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to shimmy somebody else's os into your vehicles i mean there there, there is android auto now uh, right. uh, like the the actual os of android right. on not the so what's the what's the android's carplay thing it's like android for automotive it's the worst naming situation yeah. but but apple now has uh, its own too uh, right. they're gonna they, they it's not launching just yet but it's coming next year i think or something right like that. Think so so yeah i mean i can see tesla getting into that business too honestly uh, it would actually make sense, but like, do you really want one of your competitors to own your OS and your car? I feel like that would be a suicide wish. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then the 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 there looks like the door is slowly like opening with like the supercharger network. Uh, one major OEM talking about FSD. Like, uh, it's not impossible that you see some automakers maybe just relying on their manufacturing capability and just giving that. I, 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 I'm pretty sure that the plan A for all of them is like, well, let's own the software. Right. But then when plan A fails every year for 10 years, you have to go to plan B. Uh, so I think maybe Tesla could be some people's plan B, some automakers' plan B. All right. Uh, now we're talking about range. The range on my model... Uh, y performance is about 15 less percent than stated. They should rate all of these at 70 miles per hour. I mean, not everybody drives 70 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Not everybody. That's why they just need to have one standard. Figure out what it is. Maybe it is a 70 mile per hour thing. You know, just drive it around a track at 70 miles per hour, and when it stops, that's the that's the range. I don't know what it is, but it should just be equal for everybody. All right, uh, AI is back. I feel like unless government officially bans ice cars, it will be a very slow go on a voluntary basis and the earth is sizzling. Uh, hopefully it becomes so uh, obvious to people. I think once your buddies and your parents and your kids get EVs and you drive them around, it's kind of like, uh, maybe I should just get one of these. Uh, better in every way. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, there's going to be some old out like that, but... Yeah, those people are going to die off too. I mean, kids aren't buying internal combustion engine vehicles, I don't think. I mean, and, and to his point, there are some government doing that already, but right. I, I think their timeline are all longer than just the mind, consumer mind shift shifting. Right. All right. Uh, this container ship EV fire is very suspicious. What, like, I know Jamie did a story on that. Do we have anything? recent on i mean from from what i understand from jimmy story uh, jamie story is that there was some misreporting at first about what the coast guard said about the fire that led some media outlets to believe that the fire started with the electric vehicles but my understanding is that this container ship is mostly like the vast majority of them is gasoline vehicles and then a few evs um and the Coast Guard said something that Billy, the people were the, the the fire started with AVs, but apparently we don't know that at all right now. So I don't know. Maybe it did, maybe it did not. But yeah, there'll be a post postmortem on it at some point, and maybe we'll find out. I mean, when the whole thing's just on fire, it's hard to tell where it started. Uh, Crimson Decade talking about range. Uh, this is why I won't buy any Tesla EV without a 500 mile range, like the Cybertruck, which we don't know if it'll have a 500 mile range doubtful with the with the aerodynamics of that thing 
uh, since I'll get something over 300 real miles, I guess he's saying. First of all, you don't even need 300 miles. <laughs> right. So you, I mean, maybe Crimson, you have some kind of uh, driving habits that require you to drive 300 miles every day, but I somehow doubt it. Um, yeah, this is we've, we've talked about that a lot, though. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks for the disclaimer about Reuters reporter and EV coverage. I thought that was a fair article. Why not use the percent and not the estimated range? That is not gamed right. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that would be a thing, but I don't think percentage solves range anxiety. Like if you have 32% of your battery and you have 100 miles to drive, like you're just got to do a lot of math there. Like, I don't know if that's going to help people. I mean, I don't know, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, so I, I, get, I understand what Spikes is saying here. It, it, maybe that would work for some people. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you just you, – I, 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 no, I would, personally, I would always want to see the mileage left. I think that's what makes the most sense to me. Yeah, and but, yeah. Something, something we didn't talk about, that Tesla actually knows probably better than any other automaker – how much mm-hmm. real range you have. Like if you map to somewhere, it will tell you what, in my experience, it's been incredibly accurate uh, how far you're going to get. And it's never mm-hmm. as much as the battery meter says. Yeah. So you use, you use that energy app. It knows like hills and altitudes and curves and, mm-hmm. and all that, you know, weather. Yeah. They need to match that to your battery after that. Like they just, they need, right. it needs to, to work together, but he's right for that though, for, for that, the percentage of that take, takes care of that discrepancy. Like right. I have the percentage of my battery showing and then uh, I, I have what my navigation system is saying. Yeah. All right. Let me get uh, back in here. Are you guys planning to come fully charged live in Vancouver in September? Yeah. I don't know when that is. I don't think so. We get a lot of emails from them and I don't know if I read all of them. So sorry about that. If uh, they want to send us plane tickets, uh, Fred will go. <laughs> Actually, Vancouver is yeah. a lovely place. Uh, yeah, I love it there. I'm sure it's going to be a great I'm, show. I'm literally completely on the other side of the country. Uh, the 300 word report on Tesla range initially started with a customer complaining and that customer ended up understanding and agreeing with Tesla. Big storm and a glass of water. Yeah, I have to agree that part of that report had a lot of comments from Tesla owners, and a lot of them made no sense. Like they, they were like, "Oh, my range is going down." <laughs> I think it's like, "Well, you're you driving the car right now?" It's like, "Yeah, but it makes sense. It's going down." Yeah, and and the the driver they were talking about in particular was getting 150 miles out of his oh. like two, 300, but he was driving at like 90. You know, he was driving uh-huh, quite okay. quite fast, and it was like below freezing. Mm-hmm. So like, that's just what happens. Like yeah. that, that's reality. And so, you know, I think finally when he was like, okay, let me ask around and, oh yeah, that seems Yeah. Right. People I, need to, to find that sweet spot when it comes to speed. Cause it makes a difference. I, I like to drive at like 119 kilometers an hour. I'm not sure exactly what it is in miles, but I, I, I see a giant difference when I'm like a nine, 119 and 110, like that's, and 110 is here in, in, in Quebec, it's still 10 over the speed limit, but we have like a weird thing where like you think it's kind of okay to drive 20 over the speed limit. Like, right. Dumb thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird because, you know, my, my neighbor, for instance, uh, got his Tesla and uh, 
he was driving it with a roof rack in the winter at like 70 miles per hour. And he's like, something's wrong. Like something's broken. And I was like, why? And he's like, I, I can't get 300 miles out of this thing. I'm like, I'm amazed you got like, you know, to where you were going, let alone uh, anything. Cause you, you put all those things on there. It, it, it's not going to go well. All right. Uh, if we do go to the Vancouver, uh, what is it? The Vancouver, uh, Electric could make it an event with the Tesla Clubs, Ontario, Quebec, and it's not. Uh, well, yeah. I think I think maybe Rene is confusing it. It's like it's not a hard event. We don't have any event. Yeah, it's not our event. It's a fully charged. Um, but yeah, like uh, if if we're, I don't, I don't even know when it is. I know we're going to be at IAA in September. Yeah, so I don't know. Now we have a lot of things coming up towards the yeah. end of the year. I'm going to Japan. There's a lot of stuff is going to Japan next month. I'm going to Japan in November, uh, October. Yeah, and we we hear that there's like going to be another event in Germany in October. So mm-hmm. busy times. Uh, Jonathan Root. While I won't sell my Tesla because of Elon, I won't buy another. Well, that's the same. That goes into the same category that we we're talking about. That's yeah, based on that survey. All right, Tesla sales in California may be due part to incentives, but the exorbitant price of gasoline is a major disincentive to purchase an ICE vehicle. That's a good point. Quite expensive in California to drive ICE. Uh, If Tesla made misleading claims about their car's range and Tesla customers are expecting the range on their car they spent money on, I think it's valid to criticize the diversion team. Uh, We talked about it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yes, however, electricity sales are also double or more depending on time and region. And if the area offers nighttime charging plans, some places play 30 to 40 cents per kilowatt, not 14 cents like the Midwest. Yeah, it's, it's like places like where I live, uh, charging at night is almost free compared to the daytime charging. So it really pans out for EV owners. Uh, perhaps the goal is to illustrate the F-150 and Cybertruck are the same size. Are they? Uh, they're relatively similar. Yeah, they're pretty close, but uh, maybe. I don't think. All right, question. Does Tesla monkeying with their range indicator lead to unnecessary range anxiety for their owners just so drivers can feel good looking at big number when finally charged? So, like I said, when when you're a Tesla owner for a while, you don't even look at the battery meter anymore. Mm-hmm. You look at that app, and you you plug in where you're going, and it'll tell it'll give you a pretty good idea. Like the the maps and the uh, energy app will be a much better use. And then, the, well, I, I think to to answer his question, it's not. I mean, that might be the result of it, but the goal of Tesla was not to make them feel good when they look at the the number. It was to advertise right that number to sell a car. Yeah. Uh, Good news, Fred. Uh, Canada's population recently passed 40 wow. million. Uh, well, we have, we have a lot of immigration in the last uh, two years, too. So, like, is it, it's, it's sure not babies <laughs> growing that fast. It's a, uh, but it's good. I'm happy more people in Canada. We, we have space for it. <laughs> we have plenty of space. Yeah, you have a lot of space, especially if you like the cold. All right, Rich Tier, people concerned about range anxiety, uh, set your battery display to percent and don't worry about it again. Yeah. Like Seems I said, that's a common. Uh, that's great, but like if you got two hundred miles to go, the percentage isn't going to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it it can help if you want to do a lot of math in your head, <laughs> yeah. but 
Most people don't. Uh, there is a Tesla service center in Milford, Connecticut, pretty much on the other side of the state from Mohegan Sun. Yeah, that's right oh. on the New York border. I don't know how they got away with that or yeah, whatever. I wasn't aware. Um, oh, maybe if they like just do service, it's like not. They're yeah, not maybe it's just a, service. But I know that like the um, Mount Kisco uh, Tesla place does a lot of business with Connecticut mm-hmm. people. Um, that's kind of over the border. Um. Yeah, it's so silly because like some of the first Tesla superchargers were in Connecticut as well on the East Coast. Like Connecticut is kind of on board with EV stuff, but that that dealer thing is really a pain. Uh, Infinity Boy says VW bought a piece of Xpeng. Uh, we talked about that. Is this how slow-moving legacy automakers, Honda, Toyota, will navigate their transition into EVs? Sit back and buy an established startup. Who's next? Neo. I mean. I guess it could be uh, I don't know if I, I haven't been following them on the stock markets, but I think I think they're expensive a bit. Like it's yeah, yeah, you have to look at these startups, these um e well, I don't know if you can call them startups anymore, but these EV companies and look at their market cap and sometimes they are bigger than some of those legacy automakers. So it's not merger maybe, but not an acquisition. All right, moving on. Uh, your thoughts on seven auto giants unite to build yeah, universal I network? Just realized that we didn't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> we probably should no, talk about that. Uh, I don't know. I, like when I, I pull up all the articles for for the show to discuss, I go through literally all the articles that we wrote this week, and I put the one that is significant. And this one, I mean, if I have seen it, I would have put it. I I must have scrolled way past it. But yeah, um, it's. Um, whoop. Am, am I still here? You're back. Okay. Yeah, I like for a second. Uh, It's BMW, GM, Honda, Hyundai, Kia, uh, Mercedes, and Stellantis all partnering together to build a North American network of charging station. Uh, 30,000, I think was the number. Where is the number? At least 30,000 new... Sorry? 30,000, right? Yeah. New chargers. So that's not station. That's chargers. And they're talking about both NACs and um, NCCS. That's not going to happen. It's going to be NACS. Yeah. Like, unless they're building Probably. A- but, but I mean, in, in that group, only GM and uh, Mercedes have officially announced NACs. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess so BMW, have to say that. Honda, Hyundai, Kia, Kia, Hyundai, basically the same system like this are all so. So, yeah, I mean, I would assume that that was in the works too before the wave of NAX. So maybe maybe with the announcement this week, they just like, oh, they had a NAX, but they are still internally discussing like, maybe you're right. And by the end of it, by the end, when, when this thing actually starts being deployed, um, it's going to be just NAX. Anyway, it's, it's good news. It's more more charging station. I uh, just wish it would have happened sooner because... Yeah, why... <laughs> You literally have seven giant company partnering together to build something Tesla as as right now. Like they, right. maybe they don't have thirty thousand chargers in North America, but pretty close. Uh, they're not that far off, and they started doing it ten years ago. So they have a ten year lead on on also these like, seven combined. It's also like in the past, joint ventures don't seem to work terribly well. Like everybody's yeah. got you know committees and. So I, I hope what they do is spin off a company and give them some autonomy. I guess a little bit like Electrify America by yeah. Volkswagen. 
I thought also thought it was interesting. Like Volkswagen's obviously not part of it because they have Electrify America, but Ford's not part of it either. Yeah, Ford's not part of it. That was an interesting one. Um, but yeah, more chargers better always. Yep. All right. Uh, which OEM do you think is in talks with Tesla to license their software? Did we talk about this last time? I feel like we did. Well, specifically the the software, the full self driving. So I I I suggested potentially Ford, but uh, Seth wasn't sure. No. I kind of feel like they've gotten a head start, uh, but we'll we'll never know. Uh, That's my dad, <laughs> huh? That's my dad. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, was not a row row ship versus a container ship. Uh, yeah, I think that means he's a logistic guy. So he's talking about like the the the, the, the ship that is burning right now. If it was, uh, I think it's roll on, roll off ship. Uh, so if you just drive up the car on it, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. That probably makes a difference. If uh, yeah, you have to drive the car on them, or if they just park inside container ship. I don't, I, I know that I, I don't know the answer to that, but a lot of people are in the comments right now are discussing it. Like, there's apparently new information coming today from the shipping company that there was actually more EVs that were previously reported. Previously, it was like 3,000 cars and only like a few dozen of them were EVs. Now it says as many as 500 of them were EVs. Oh, wow. And they were going to Egypt or something? I don't know where they were going. All right, well, hey, Mr. Lambert. All right, Uh, Sylvian. He's a big uh, fan of yours. Awesome. (laughs) Uh, Sylvian says percent only works when you use the GPS with a destination. Yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot of like miles or or kilometers is is the easiest thing to to kind of gauge. Yeah. All right, Matthew Fay, the ship actually had almost 500 EVs on it. Okay, that's what you just said. Yeah, they yeah. heard somebody broadcast that the fire started near one. That is from today. All right, we got lots of. That's such a weird thing to say too. It started near one, but like. If, if... That if it's like, like near and not in it, then it's definitely not it. <laughs> that's uh, that's Nic- Nicola said that. <laughs> that that's they say, like, <laughs> no, they said that a car <laughs> drove by, so they probably set it on fire. <laughs> right. It was a little bit worse than that. All right, Tyler Hilliard says, uh, "Could you please do an article shaming Tesla into their releasing their vehicle safety statistics? They are two quarters behind again, and I don't think they've ever, ever released them regularly." Well, they released them regularly for uh, two years, maybe, and then the, the the started they started sometimes releasing, some other times not, and then back releasing them. Uh, so I don't, I'm not sure what's happening here. I could potentially do that, Tyler. That might be a good idea because I've been pushing for Tesla to release more data for a long time on on the vehicle safety. The the thing is that I mean I've I've trashed that data too, saying it's not good data, so maybe not a great uh, way to approach this. But at the same time, I said also it's the best we have. So if we don't even have that at all, and, and the only way this is good, that data is because you cannot take that data and compare it to other data because it's so bad compared to to the rest. But what you can do is track that data over time and see if if it is improving or if it's going down. And now if Tesla is not releasing it. It is a red flag. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tesla has been known to release good news and not bad news. Yeah. <laughs> Sweep things under the rug. Right. Uh, I think most of them will want to use CCS chargers as they will have made uh, those of the cars before 2025. Yeah, so we're talking about the uh, the big uh, EV uh, charger mm-hmm. consortium will probably um, want... It's kind of like chat. Uh, Chatamo now, like put one 
out for somebody. I don't know. Yeah. It would be interesting to see if uh, they, they decide now we go CCS and I guess cause, because most of them are not on board with Nax just yet officially. I mean, maybe that's why they're doing it. Like they're trying to be an alternative. Uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it, it kind of would make sense, to be honest, uh, on, on a competitive, like I'm obviously not for the consumer. I'm not saying that. But on a competitive basis, it, it would make sense. Why? Because Tesla has already confirmed compatibility between uh, for, with the CCS for CCS vehicle to go on NAX. For NAX to CCS, it's not as easy right now. I mean, you, there, there's adapters out there, but it's it's not as fluid. Mm-hmm. So if you build, if you stay CCS, you build that CCS network, then the CCS car kind of gained a little bit of an advantage of using adapters to go on the NACs, but them having their own CCS. Yeah, and I guess you're also like, you have uh, some negotiating power with Tesla. Yeah. And say like, well, if you guys want to charge on our network, we got to be able yeah. to charge on your network too. Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 value to that. But anyway, it's more chargers overall at least. Yep. All so right, whatever Mr. bad that the if they do go with different standards, whatever bad that is, it is being countered by the fact that there's just more stars charges. Yep. All right, Mr. Turkey Neck, uh, what do you think about Geely's small pickup? Will it come to North America? Uh, Geely obviously makes uh, their vehicles mostly in in China, so if it's coming to the U.S., it's already uh, not going to be uh, able to get the big EV tax credit, seventy five hundred bucks, and then also it gets slapped with another. 27% tariff. So, uh, I mean, that said, there are zero good small pickups EVs out yeah. here. And now, it doesn't so. look bad. I've seen it. It doesn't, it doesn't look bad. And yeah. I know they plan on exporting it outside of China. Uh, they confirm it, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think they are talking about the North American market for the, all the reason that said just said. So I wouldn't bet on it. But they are coming. Like uh, I'm sure that those these other automakers that are being late to the electric pickup parties are are gonna want to enter it with uh, something that's not available right now. Like maybe like a Nissan or or even a Toyota. Like Toyota has a somewhat uh, decent market share in the pickup market in the U.S. And Nissan too, for a fact. I, I mean, I don't know the Embarrard, but I see them around. So um, yeah. maybe they're gonna want to use that approach to kind of save face a little bit in the, in the market. All right. Uh, Robert uh, Nathanagel says question. Could Nax actually support vehicle to X? Yes. I think we've established that it will do that. Yeah. And then Thomas Rose says, I think the issue is much is a much the software as the plug CCS versus Nax. I have a Tesla, but when using CCS with an adapter, it's still crapshoot if it will start versus plug and go. Uh, yeah, there's more to go wrong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not the ideal solution. But that, that's why Tesla has convinced all those automakers to uh, adopt it, implement it in their vehicles rather than go with the adapter part. Sorry, but the adapter part is still going to be used uh, in the meantime. I mean, and we're in a transition, an old period right now, obviously, which gives such a big advantage to Tesla, honestly. Yeah. Uh, it, it's wild. It, it, you, you can see the automakers like the... That that I've gone on board, they were like, "All right, Tesla has already sixty percent of the market right now." So, and we are having three issues like, like just um, scrapping a little bit more market shares from that. So, 
let's just do it now. And yes, the next few years is going to be difficult. But after that, at least we're going to be on the same playing field as Tesla. Um, so but I, I, I applaud those automakers. I think they're doing the right choice here. But in the meantime, it it's makes like I would have a tough time buying a car right now that's not Max. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense. I'm not. I'm actually not too worried about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the the Chevy Bolt, like I don't charge that thing anywhere anyway. But the Rivian, um, you know, when I need when the Nax adapter comes out, I will probably get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and but for now it works fine. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's plenty of chargers where I need to go. Um, yeah, not a big concern. All right, everyone. We are an hour. 20 minutes into this if you're still listening right now you're a real one we appreciate you you're a real electric fan you're a real electric people community member uh if you can give us a thumbs up a like a subscribe if you can give us a five-star rating on your app that makes a ton to help the show which is a top 10 automotive podcast in the well in the world when the most markets really in, that speaks english um <laughs> Which is pretty good. We're, we're proud of that here at Electric. Uh, so thanks a lot for listening. Uh, it's all because of you, obviously. And uh, we're going to uh, see you next same time next week, but uh, probably me. just me. Uh, probably just me, or maybe I don't have a guess. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs>